Welcome back to the Mike and Andrew Show. I'm Andrew Serwick here again with Mike Meredith. And Ian High has joined us for this episode as well. Boys, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty good. Living the dream and bracing the chaos that is the reality of a Lions playoff win. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to believe that, you know, they finally won a playoff game. And, you know, none of us expected this in our lifetimes, if we're being honest with ourselves here. Um, but uh, they got a good chance this weekend, and we'll get to that first. But uh, we got some games on Saturday to talk about first. Uh, the Ravens hosting the Texans. Baltimore a nine-point favorite in this game. Ravens obviously had the bye week in the first round of the playoffs. Texans... You know, they their offense struggled to score 20 points like they have really all season. Um, the, the, most of their big win last week was, you know, the two pick sixes by uh, um, that were gifted to them by uh, uh, Joe Flacco. Um, the Ravens, like I said, they're well-rested now. Uh, but Lamar in the playoffs has not had a lot of success. Could we see yet another time he wins the MVP but doesn't win a playoff game? A um, lot to talk about in this game, of course, but uh, I think the Ravens are going to win this game. Um, Texans, as good as they are, they're still a very young team, very inexperienced. The Ravens, on the other hand, obviously the best team in football, in my opinion. Um, and quite frankly, it, it's not going to really matter. They're, they're rested up. Um, they're very, very healthy right now, and I think they're ready to absolutely whoop some Texans' ass uh, come Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to go with Baltimore here as well. I really like Houston's team, and DJ Stroud's uh, definitely becoming one of the better young quarterbacks in the league. Houston surprised everyone this year, but I don't think they're going to be able to beat Baltimore. But I think that they could have a chance to cover that nine. I think that they you know, have that explosive offense and that young defense here. But I think Lamar will get the win here and try and prove people that he's more than just a regular season quarterback, unlike, you know, Dak, who, you know, choked again. So I'm going to go with the Ravens. Yeah, this is it, right? What we've wanted to see, the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs, you know, We've seen what we've done, what they've done to the, these playoff teams in the regular season. You know, Detroit and San Francisco, where they just whooped them. So now the the real test is up. Let's see what they got. And I mean, you got a rookie quarterback who's should be rookie of the year. You know, it's not questionable in my eyes at this point. You know, you got a young team in Texas. They 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 can make it close. I still think Baltimore walks away with this one. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it comes down to experience here. This Ravens team has a lot of experience. This Texans team, quite frankly, doesn't. Um, you know, C.J. Stroud has been amazing. Uh, he's for sure, in my books, rookie of the year. Uh, I think he's put an end to that uh, Ohio State uh, quarterback curse in the NFL with none panning out. Um, but, you know, it's just his first year. Who knows? This could maybe be a fluke. We never know. Uh, hopefully it's not, but uh, look, it, ultimately it's going to come down to the Ravens limiting their own mistakes. They will win this game, no no problem, but a lot of their losses this season were just their own stupid mistakes uh, beating themselves. So I, I think Baltimore can win this game. It's just making sure that they limit their mistakes and they don't beat themselves here. Uh, the other Saturday game, Niners hosting the Packers. Niners a nine-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Uh, Well-rested, just like the Ravens, obviously having their bye week last week as well. Packers went into Dallas, a very, very hostile environment against a team that was heavy, heavy favorites over them. I believe it was a nine-point uh, favorite or yeah, in favor of uh, of Dallas for that game, and Dallas was perfect at home all season, um, and and they made that defense that looked really good look very very foolish 
And not only that, they made the that uh, offense in Dallas look very, very bad as well. Um, Niners, though, extremely, extremely explosive offense, especially with, with Debo and, um, and Christian McCaffrey. And their defense since the bye week has been perfect, and uh, so has their record been perfect. I think the Niners win this game, but I think the Packers will cover that 95 Packers are red hot. Jordan Love, since uh, since the midway point of the season, 22 touchdowns, one interception. Um, in in that time frame, he is the best quarterback in terms of touchdown to interception ratio. Um, very very good team. This Packers offense, but their defense is very bad. Um, I got to roll with the Niners here, but like I said, I think the Packers will cover. Um, but it's just. It's just such a tough game for the Packers. I don't see a way they win this game unless they're able to somehow shut down this 49ers offense, and I don't think they have the defensive personnel to do that. Yeah, I'm going to roll with the 49ers as well. I do think the Packers do keep this close, and I again, like with the Texans game, I think they, they cover this, uh, this 9.5, but again, just... That defense scares me with Green Bay. They got the offense. Jordan Love is capable of going off like we saw, but that defense, man, especially with uh, some injuries and stuff they've had go on, I think that 49ers offense is just going to run it up, man. It's going to be tough for them. But I do think that it's uh, no, I wouldn't say a shootout, but it's definitely more offensive-heavy this game, but that Niners defense though, I mean, is pretty crazy too. So the 49ers just got the better team, the better team on paper as well. I think that they uh, win this one. Barring another injury, like ridden game, like they've had the past few years when they just lose everybody. I, I do think the 49ers win this one. And unless, you know, Joe Barry decides he wants to keep his job in Green Bay and stopped one of the best offenses in the league, but, you know, much to the dismay of Packers fans. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So I do think Green Bay can cover, though. Yeah, I think they definitely cover. Um, but it's just that defense worries me against this offense. That 49ers offense is so explosive. But when Rat Purdy's playing really good, they're going to win, but the second he starts throwing an interception, it is game over for the, for the, uh, for the Niners. So, um, and the, and the Packers, they'll capitalize on that, on those turnovers if they get any, um, because they have been very, very good at, res- at getting points off of turnovers this year. One of the best teams in the league, uh, with that. So, um, the Packers, they have a they have a tall task. They have to play the most perfect game they possibly can and figure out a way to contain this Niners offense. But like I said, I don't think they have the personnel to do that. Sunday, we have two games, of course, as well. Uh, Lions hosting the Buccaneers. Lions, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, the Lions beat the Bucs earlier this year, 20-6 to in Tampa Bay. Uh, this week, it's obviously a little different. It'll be in Detroit again. Detroit getting two playoff games, two home playoff games in the same season. I don't think anyone uh, could have seen this one coming, at least not yet. Um, but uh, Lions, I think, will win this game. I think Tampa Bay does cover that 6.5, though. Um, they got better as the year went on when the, when they played in, I think it was week 5 or week 6, the Lions were on fire, and the Bucks were just absolutely falling apart at the seams. Um, but they got better. Um, do I think the Bucks can win this game? Sure, but I just don't see how necessarily they're going to shut down this Lions uh, offense. I mean, the, the, the Lions offense has been really, really good, really all season. There's obviously that rough patch in the middle of the season, uh, losing to Green Bay and losing to Chicago, uh, where the offense just did not perform at all. But the offensive line is healthy. Um, I saw Ragnow was uh, 
in full practice today, which was good because he rested yesterday. Um, there's a lot of guys on Tampa's team that was that were beat up that were resting today. I know Chris Godwin uh, was uh, was resting today uh, with a knee. It, he left practice early yesterday with a knee injury, um, or one well, not an injury, but just his knee was bothering him. Um, I think the Lions win this game, though. Their offense really good. The secondary concerns me, but it's not like the Buccaneers have that over-the-top offense. Uh, you know, obviously they have Godwin and, and Evans, but outside of that, um, it, I, I think you know we'll be able, the Lions will be able to contain um, this offense for the most part. Um, so yeah, I think Lions win, but Tampa Bay covers that six and a half here. Yeah, so the Lions, I mean, have been looking good, but so is Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has improved a lot throughout the year. This is definitely a way better Tampa team than we played earlier in the year. I do think that this is going to be super close. I think it's going to be right around that six-and-a-half mark. I could see it going either way, to be honest with you, but I do think the Lions win this game. We got the better roster. If we just can pressure Mayfield, man, if – we can get some pressure on uh, Mayfield. I think we can win this one. And, again, just have our offensive line hold up. Make sure Goff has time to throw, have the running game. Tampa's defense doesn't scare me too much. Um, I know they got the linebackers and, you know, Vita Vea is still prominent up the middle there. But for the most part, they are not too scary on defense. And, like I said, just giving Goff time to throw is most important. And getting to Mayfield and giving pressure on him is going to be key to winning this one. Yeah, this I definitely think this is the uh, the game of the uh, weekend that's going to not be the blowout, if any. No, just like last week, we had the close game with Detroit and LA. I think this one is definitely closer than the six and a half is given Detroit. It's to me thinking twenty eight, you know, thirty one or something like that we might even see both teams break 30 in this one you know Mike Evans you know great receiver I think Pukunuku is probably a more explosive receiver and we saw what he did still lost the game but at the end of the day I don't think Mike Evans is going to put the stat line Pukunuku did but he has the potential to be around there and it's worrying with that Detroit secondary so I'm looking for Tampa to cover, but to ultimately lose that game. Yeah, ultimately, I think it's going to come down to like what you said, Mike. Um, if we could get pressure on Baker, I think uh, I think the Lions can have no problem defensively because he's not accurate when he's under pressure this year. Um, in fact, he's one of the worst uh, in terms of accuracy uh, while under pressure this year. I think he ranks like twenty fourth or twenty fifth. Uh, in the league while while under pressure. So um, if they're able to get get to him, that's great. That'll help the defense out a lot, take a lot of stress off our very poor secondary cough, cough, looking at you, Cam Sutton. Um, But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think think the Lions will win this game. And lastly, we've seen this game a lot in the last few years, AFC – the Bills hosting the Chiefs. Normally we see this game in, at Arrowhead between these two uh, in the playoffs, but this time around it's the Bills hosting the Chiefs. Um, Buffalo, a three-point favorite in this game. Uh, weather's going to be a big factor in this game, of course. Um, the Bills are a lot better offensively than the Chiefs are. Defensively, I feel like these teams are kind of evenly matched, so I'm going to go with the Bills here. Um, just, you know, Kansas City, they can't catch anything. Uh, I mean, they can't even catch a cold. Um, lots of drop passes all year. The the worst team when it comes to drop passes. Uh, Mahomes, you know, he turns to the Superman on every single play just for his teammates to fail him. Um, it, it's just, you know, and the, and the Chiefs, you know, their defense has been really good all year. Uh, and the Bills' defense at times looked shaky, at other times looked really good. Um, if they can have a game like they had uh, this past weekend, I think they'll have no problem at all shutting down this, this Chiefs' offense. And the Bills 
offense, I think, obviously has a huge advantage in this game. I think the Bills win, and they cover that three points on this one. Yeah, I think this is the year the Bills finally get it done. They have to beat the Chiefs, man. All the heartbreak and all the close games they've had. This is the year, man. Kansas City is not that great this year. They're, you know, they're still a good team, but nowhere near the team they have been the last few years. Josh Allen, if he wants to prove that he can be a Super Bowl winning quarterback, he's got to be able to go through Kansas City. And they, you know, they got the home field advantage for this one. They just everything seems to be working in their favor for this game. They need to play well, and I think that they can do it, man. I think that they're going to win this one. I'm going to go with the Bills. Uh, that stadium is going to be crazy, just like the Lions stadium. Bills Mafia is a crazy place to play, man. Yeah, I am in the same boat of Kansas City could not catch a cold. Yeah, they couldn't catch anything, even if they were to literally just hold it out to them at this point. Rasheed Rice is doing really good, and Pacheco, as the running back, is doing about as good as he can. And then, obviously, Mahomes having to be Superman as often as he can, breaking helmets, even, you know, due to the cold, which, just insane. I do think it's probably like Detroit-Tampa, where it's closer than the spread will hint at but I do think I'm taking Buffalo this year they have I mean Buffalo did win the regular season matchup if I'm not wrong I do think they're going to have the push to have it this year though because they want it they want the revenge they want it more than anyone changed for them and then they lost anyway they want that revenge They want all the revenge in this game. Obviously, like Mike touched on, lots of heartbreak the last few years. And it's finally in Buffalo. It's not in Arrowhead. Uh, So it's a little bit more of a comfortable game for Buffalo here. And like I said, they have a much better offense, I think, overall. Um, So I think Buffalo has the advantage here. So that is going to do it for your NFL Divisional Round. Um, a lot of exciting games here. Uh, you got two big spreads followed by two kind of smaller spreads, uh, on Sunday. Uh, should be an interesting wildcard or not wildcard divisional weekend. Um, and you know, this will set the field for the NFC and AFC championship game. Um, but, uh, it's going to be very interesting for sure. I think this is the first time I'm picking all all favorites to win on a weekend which is uh insane to think about because i like my underdogs but i just don't see how any of the underdogs win this weekend so that's gonna do it for our nfl stuff so we're gonna shift on over to the nhl i got a couple topics to talk about and we're gonna first start with like a you know we're halfway through the season now so we're gonna kind of look at what the playoff picture is looking like um and talk about that, and then we're gonna talk about a little bit about the uh, the draft prospects coming up uh, this year as well. So uh, let's get right into it, man. Let's start with the Eastern Conference. Um, this is probably the bloodiest I've ever seen the Eastern Conference in a very, very, very long time. There are a lot of teams in the wild card hunt, in their division hunt still. Um, the Metropolitan is extremely packed because there's not a huge gap between first and second and then third place and the rest unlike the um, unlike the Atlantic where Boston and Florida are just so much further ahead of everyone else um but but uh looking at just the metro right now I mean you you have New York at 58 points and then Carolina's in third place uh with 53 so there's a nice five point spread there uh between those two uh between those teams um and then you look at the rest of it. I mean, 4th, 5th, and 6th are all tied on 48 points. New Jersey's hanging back with 47. And then you have Columbus making sad noises with their 37 points. Um, and then you look at the Atlantic. I mean, you have, you have Boston and Florida up top with 61 and 58 points. And then Detroit right now sits f- at 51. And then Toronto and Tampa Bay are both 
a point back from that. So you have Toronto at 50 and then Tampa Bay a further point back at 49. And then Montreal still somewhat hanging on to it. They're at 45 points right now. Um, but if you look at this conference uh, overall, I mean, uh, the uh, between the wild, uh, the top team in the uh, uh, in both division or the bottom teams in both divisions, uh, the third place teams and the wild card. I mean, there's very very few points. I th- I honestly believe right now, uh, with how the season's gone, unless things change drastically. It's going to be going down to multiple tiebreakers at the very end to dis- uh, to decide those last uh, last three seeds in each of these divisions and the and the wild cards because it's just going to be because it's that close right now. I mean, Detroit's third place in the Atlantic, right? But you have Toronto and Tampa Bay sitting in both wild card spots, and then you also have Pittsburgh, Washington, the Islanders, and the Devils all within three points of just Toronto. Uh, for those wild card spots. So, like I said, man, it, this is going to be a, an insane uh, battle coming down to it in the Eastern Conference. So, from what I've said so far, what are your guys' thoughts on just this conference and how just competitive it is outside of you know uh, Buffalo, Columbus, and uh, and uh, Ottawa? Yeah, from what it sounded like, man, it sounded like this is all pretty close, man. I mean, kind of figured that you know some of these teams would be you know doing well and some of these bottom teams wouldn't be but yeah i mean definitely seems like it's going to be a battle here towards the end and like you said man hopefully the red wings can you know pull it off and you know make the playoffs man well if we incorporate the standings currently with the scores that are going on tonight the active eastern conference teams we have right now the Bruins are up 3-1 on Colorado. Ottawa's up 2-1 on the Canadiens. Tampa's up 3-1 on Minnesota. And Washington's up 3-1 on St. Louis right now. So if those results hold, Washington's getting two points. Tampa's getting two points. Ottawa's getting two points. And Boston are getting two points. So how much is of a wrench does that throw into things right there? So, so Tampa would be uh, third place in the um, in the Atlantic. Detroit would be the number one wild card, and Toronto would drop to the number two wild card spot there. And you said Washington is also. Yep, Washington, Ottawa, and Boston would get two points. Too. So Washington. Ottawa doesn't really matter. Yeah, wa- Washington would be the th- would be the third highest wild card team. So they're just under the line um, because Tor- Toronto would have one less game played at that point uh, so they would and, and, and have the same points as Washington so that would be uh, Toronto with the advantage there at that point so you see how tight this this division is or this conference is in general because it's gonna this just one night can rearrange everything I mean Detroit winning last night uh, against Florida put them put them put them from the number two wild card spot to third place in the uh, the Atlantic. So it tells you yeah. just how tight this really is. Um, and it, now going over to the Western Conference, um, it's a little bit more spread out. Uh, there's not a whole lot of teams fighting for really the wild card spot. I think really there's seven teams right now uh, outside of their uh, division uh, standings, uh, obviously Edmonton and Nashville right now are the two wild card spots. But then you have Calgary two spots behind or two points behind those teams. Seattle as well. Arizona's only four points out from there, um, and then uh, and then St. Louis is five points out of their wild card right now. Um, it's it's a little bit less you know spread out or less compact on like you know the Eastern Conference, and there's a lot. I guess I would say fewer teams that are really competitive. I know Minnesota's somewhat there. I mean, they're at 41 points right now. And then, well, you have San Jose way at the very bottom there. Um, you know, but... Yeah, um, I hear it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. They're 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 terrible, absolutely terrible. Um, that, them and Chicago are just fighting for uh, who has the best odds at this point. Um, yeah, it's Chicago at this point, because even if they're... 
like 12 they're going to yeah. get in the middle. Well, San, San Jose is at 24 points. Chicago's at 28. So, I mean, it's uh, it's still a fight there for sure. But then, like, but like I was saying, you know, obviously Vancouver is absolutely killing the uh, the Pacific Division right now. They have a seven-point lead over Vegas uh, in the same amount of games played. Um, and Vancouver, I, I did my uh, my power rankings uh, this week, and I had Vancouver as the number one team in the league. And I mean, it's pretty evident. Um, although you could put you could argue Winnipeg as well because they have the same amount of points. They're just a point ahead of Colorado in the Central, and Dallas is only five points back from that. So it's not like there's a huge, uh, you know, it's not like there's a huge gap for Dallas to climb there. Um, but at uh, Edmonton's just a point behind LA, which has 50 points, and LA has been falling off of off you know planet Earth for the last half a month now at this point, really since just before the uh, the Christmas break. Um, LA's just been falling apart. Um, Edmonton's just a point back from them, uh, but they sit at that number one wild card spot right now. Um, the the Western Conference not as competitive. Um, in terms of just how close every team is to each other. I mean, you have your top teams that are way up there, and then you have kind of just everyone else fighting for wild card spots. It's not like the uh, like the Metro, for example, being so, so close between every single team in there, um, and the Atlantic where that third-place spot is changing every single night between Tampa, Toronto, and Detroit. Um, it's going to be a very interesting division to see who does actually get the wild card spots. But I think Edmonton's coming for the Pacific division to at least get to that number two spot because they are red hot ever since they got, uh, their new coach back in November. Um, so I guess really, what are your thoughts now on, on this conference and comparing it to the Eastern conference? Um, so yeah, I mean, the West is... Um, definitely interesting here. Like you said, standouts of Vancouver and uh, Edmonton here. Um, you know, Winnipeg has also been really good. So just those top teams, man. Uh, I mean, they have a lot of talent out there for sure. The Sharks are just trash. So, but yeah, I mean. Which is the better conference right now? Uh, I mean, the East is kind of loaded, man. I mean, Boston, even though they've cooled off a little bit, they're still good. Florida, Detroit, you know, uh, top three in the Atlantic. Then you have the Rangers, who have been doing well, Philadelphia, Carolina. But the West, man, they got a lot of, a lot of teams, man, that have uh, playoff experience. I mean, uh, Colorado, Dallas, both have gone far. So I like what the West has to offer here. I I like – I mean, I don't like – I'm surprised by Winnipeg and Vancouver up at the top of the league right now. They caught me by surprise. I wasn't paying attention because I was looking one day – one day, and there was, you know, Boston, New York, and Vegas. I was like, all right, I don't really care. I just need to stay focused on Detroit. Next thing you know, there's Vancouver and Winnipeg chilling right up there. It's like, where the hell did they come from? I didn't pay attention whatsoever, I guess. But now, going down to the other ones, like you said, Colorado is still down one point to Winnipeg. You know, that's real tight. It could go either way. And Dallas is four from Colorado and five from Winnipeg. They're all right there, the top three is going to be really close. I don't know how many more games they have against each other, like specifically those three. But if they do, holy crap, I'm going to watch every single one of them because they're going to be great games. Yeah, I mean, those would be great games. Now, if we look at just the league standings overall, so yep, Detroit's 11th place in the league. They're, you know, 51 points. All the way down to 22nd place is Seattle. They're at 47. So you have just league standings alone, you have uh you have 11 teams here covered by just four points which is just absolutely insane uh we haven't seen a league just this good 
in a very long time where we have so many strong teams, so many teams that could be in the playoffs. Um, you know, and, and and realistically, you know, basically from 25th place, which is where St. Louis sits right now, on up, that's that's all teams that could make it into the playoffs this year if their seasons go uh, better and you know teams you know ahead of them start to fall off and then but like I said man it is it is a very very competitive league this year um and you know a lot a lot of these teams are really well built for the next few years some of these teams though they're not going to be uh, very good um come uh, come a year or two from now because they're just so much cap space no, so little cap space, but the cap keeps going up. So, and that's what's keeping some of these top teams afloat right now is this, that cap, the, the salary cap keeps increasing uh, each year, and it's supposed to increase again uh, next season. Um, but uh, like what you said, Ian, I mean, Vancouver and Winnipeg having very quiet off seasons out of nowhere now, just on top of the league. I mean, they're both tied at 62. Winnipeg has a game less played though, so. That uh, that's what puts them ahead, uh, but very similar records between the two: Winnipeg 29-10-4 and the Vancouver 29-11-4. So, um, the extra game is the only thing keeping Winnipeg on top of that right now. But uh, you know, we we still we still got to try to keep the cup in America. That's uh, that's always the goal. Um, so we gotta gotta just make sure neither of them have a chance to uh to get to the playoffs, and obviously, obviously Toronto, I'm not worried about because you know first round exit is kind of their thing. So that's that. So now I want to get into uh talking about some prospects here, um coming up to the NHL draft. Um, there's obviously you know the, the number one pick for sure by far is Macklin Celebrini. I mean he's absolutely killing it at Boston University right now um and he's only uh 17 years old um which is crazy to think about as well uh he had a really really good uh time at the world juniors um this year uh just you know obviously Canada fell to uh I think it was Czechia uh in that tournament so uh he didn't play well in that game, but all the games before that, he looked really good. Now, here's here's a guy that I know you guys probably don't know, but you at least know where he plays. Um, it's it's Artyan Levshunov. Uh, he's a defenseman that plays for Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State, by the way, uh, they are, I believe, last time I looked, uh, ranked in the top ten. For... I was say they're still ranked because last time mm-hmm. saw they swept a couple top – yeah, so they are currently ranked number seven uh, in the country. They're sitting 15-4-3. Um, but, yeah, no, this kid is really, really good. He's at a point-per-game pace. Um, only issue that I see with him um, is, is just, like, sometimes in the defensive zone, he kind of loses his spatial awareness and he kind of drifts out to um, to different spots where he shouldn't really be allowing teams to kind of, um, you know, get into good, good shooting lanes. Um, but his strengths outweigh the, uh, the weaknesses because he can hit too. He's very physical, um, especially on the back check. He's very physical. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're going to get into it a little bit more here. Um, there's, there's a guy I've been keeping my eye on, uh, for the past few months now, and he's really, uh, shot up, at least in my opinion, up the draft board. Um, and that's Cole Earsman. Um, they got him ranked at number three right now. I would say he could get up into the number two, um, spot in terms of, um, you know, where, he get where he will get drafted and it's also obviously going to depend on who drafts him um right now obviously of course San Jose is going to be really wanting Celebrini but they have so many really really good uh centers prospects that I don't think San Jose if they ha- if they uh get the first overall pick would even take him but 
you kind of have to, right? Um, if if you're them, um, but uh, this this draft class is very very strong up at the top, and then it just kind of falls off uh, right outside about like the sixth or seventh prospect. Um, it's uh, it's not a very dr- uh, deep draft pe- uh, draft class like we've seen in years prior. Um, but that said, I think it'll be a very interesting draft, especially to see who gets Celebrini after all. Um, just praying to God it's not Chicago. Yeah, at this point, praying anyone but Chicago. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, freaking already got Bedard. They don't need anything else. Yeah, the Chicago Rapists, I mean Blackhawks, um, definitely don't need another number one overall pick. I think the NHL world would lose its mind. Um, but uh, this year will be a pretty good class for defensemen, though. Uh, the last few years, it's been a lot of really good forwards, except for you know the select few like Owen Power uh, being drafted number one overall. Um, there's a lot of good defensemen uh, in the top ten this year. I mean, Anton Siliev of uh, uh, in, he plays for uh, one of the KHL teams. He's really, really good, really talented. Um, he, he's a he's a very big dude, six foot seven, um, huge kid, and uh, he's got a hell of a shot. But he's really, really good defensively. Um, and like I said, Lashunov for MSU, uh, that was, that he's really the sole reason why MSU is as good as they are. I mean, he's piloting their offense and defense. Um, you have Sam Dickinson who plays for London in the OHL. Very, very good. He's ranked up in the top 10. Um, Zane Perrick playing for, uh, playing for Saginaw in the OHL, um, he he has a very similar style to like Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr. He's very offensive minded, um, and as a defenseman, it looks like he's about to uh, he he will finish the season. He's on pace for thirty goals and a hundred points um, in just his second year in the OHL, which is insane. Uh, very very good offensively um, as well. There, it's just going to be a very good draft class if you're looking for defensemen um, overall. Um, because there's a lot of defensemen in this class that are, you know, elite level prospects for some of these teams at the bottom. And a lot of these teams at the bottom need really good defensemen. I think San Jose could benefit from it, but San Jose needs every position except for center pretty much. Um, they need wingers. They need, uh, they need defensemen desperately. They, they, they need goaltenders as well. Anaheim needs uh, defensemen. Uh, Ottawa needs defensemen. I mean, so a lot of these teams at the bottom of the league are like salivating at the mouth because of how many good defensemen they have this year. But, you know, I don't think these teams are necessarily going to draft a defenseman if, if they have, you know, a top three, top four pick just because of the fact that there's a lot of good forwards at the top here. So, um, what are your guys' thoughts just overall on this draft class, what I've presented to you, um, and I kind of just, who, who do you think is going to get the first overall pick? I'm, I'm hoping the Sharks get the first overall pick, man. It seems like uh, we'd be getting screwed, man, just like the Wings, man. Yeah, statistically speaking, the Sharks would have the highest odds right as of right now the season ended, but we all know that same song and dance with uh, Chicago, and they somehow seem to gain draft position while others lose draft position. And then if you go into the uh, the draft lottery with the second highest odds, the only place you can go is number one at that point. So, you know, looking at Gary Bettman for that one. But uh, hopefully those teams that need the defenses can get them. But looking at not just the bottom teams even, maybe even like the wings perspective, where would you be looking for? Would you want the defense, get a good young pair for Moritz Sider, or would you get a goalie? Well, we have a good young pair for, 
for Mort Sider, but he's stuck in the AHL still for some fucking reason in fucking uh, Simon Edvinson. Uh, the Wings need more centers, that's for sure. Um, and probably a couple more wingers to go. I mean, they need, I, I would say probably a goaltender more than anything is what the Wings need, but uh, um, there's not a whole lot of really good goalies in this draft class as far as I can tell. Um, the uh, let me let me see what what's the highest ranked goalie here? Um, and I'm outside of the top. I'm up, I'm outside of the top thirty-two. So that tells you just how few goalies there are. Um. No, there's just no good goalies in this draft class, apparently. Um, yeah, the th I, it's the top 50 prospects, and there's not a single goalie in them, so that's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, so the Lions are screwed, basically. I mean, we have Costa coming up, and he's looking pretty good um, in the minor leagues, so, I mean, that that might help Detroit in the future. Just it's not He's still not ready for the NHL, so... Um, he's probably another at least two two seasons out, maybe a season and a half. Call him up, you know, some point in not next season, but the season after, just to see one where he's at, if he can, or like if someone gets injured. But outside of that, man, I mean, this is a very very good draft for defensemen. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I think we could see a lot of teams trading down uh, outside of the top three. Uh, just to grab pieces that they need instead of, you know, just best available prospect. And I, I, I think the best way to draft is best, you know, best available player. But a lot of teams like to, you know, address their needs. So I think we could see this year some teams trading down. So that will be interesting to watch. Uh, as the season, you know, comes to comes to a fold, we'll kind of talk a little bit more and more about, you know, the draft. Um Obviously, the playoffs, but uh, yeah, so that's going to wrap that up, and now we're going to head on over to the NBA. We got a trade to talk about that uh, we didn't talk about on Tuesday, so uh, let's get into it. Mike, take us away. Yes, sir. So this broke on the 18th here, and we have an all-star being traded, Pascal Siakam going to the Pacers. For Bruce Brown, Jordan Noara, uh, Kara Lewis, two first-round picks and a conditional 2026 20, first-round pick. And the Pacers received Pascal Siakam and a future second-round pick. So for this trade here, I mean, three first-round picks is definitely a lot. I mean, Pascal is a really good player, really damn good player, probably top 30 in the league. I'd probably say he's between that top 20 and top 30 range uh, for NBA standards here. And Indiana's finally pairing Tyrese Halliburton with a second star. This is this will be their second star looking to compete out in the East. And the East is tough, man, because you got the Celtics, you got the Bucks. Philadelphia still looks pretty good. And then even teams like uh, Cleveland has been better they have donovan mitchell but this definitely puts them i think in the fourth spot i think probably the celtics the bucks philly and then indiana now it's gonna be interesting to see because pascal man he's he's 29 so he's definitely like in his prime product right now maybe um you know on the decline soon which is Kind of concerning as he gets over into his 30s, but he's averaging 22 points, six rebounds, five assists, 35 minutes this year. I think that I'm really happy for the Pacers for going out there and actually getting someone and trying to make their team competitive because a lot of those teams will stay stagnant and they're like right in the middle for so long and. You know, this helps Toronto because Toronto, you know, they weren't going to be playing for nothing. Probably weren't going to make the playoffs anyways. They traded one of, you know, traded their best player away, got something back in return. 
Bruce Brown's a solid role player for future teams. And like I said, those three first round picks, if somehow Indiana falls on their face the next few years, I mean, those first round picks are going to be pretty valuable. So I like this trade for both teams. Um, What do you guys think about it? I think, uh, obviously, like you said, both teams got a decent piece. Uh, obviously, the Pacers got uh, Pascal Siakam, you know, a, a player they need to help boost their roster to help get over the hump, I would say. Because as of right now, looking at the standings, they're sitting at uh, number seven in the East. And I, I do agree, I think that could help them get over the number seven, get into maybe the four, five, six range. And obviously, the Raptors, who are sitting 16 games back right now not playing for anything but draft position at this point and you just got three first round picks it's a pretty good haul yeah i think overall it's it's a win-win for both teams right uh the pacers get a second star on their team which they desperately need um and and they you know they can you know possibly charge forward now and, and make progress up the standings. Um, they, they've kind of been a middle-of-the-road team for the last few years, so finally having a second piece to this to try and go forward because a lot of teams, like you said, stagnate. They don't do anything. Um, it's very, very good, I think, for the Pacers. And then Toronto, I mean, they get picks out of this, um, and that's that's the most important part for them because they're not playing for anything at this point. Uh, they they need to rebuild, and trading Siakam is a big step forward for this rebuild, because you know you, you see this a lot, uh, especially in the NHL, where teams hold on to veterans for a very long time, um, and then it screws their rebuild even longer. So Toronto getting out early, uh, I think this benefits them uh, long term, uh, but in kind of a, a shorter window because they, like I said, they get these picks. Um, now they don't have to hold on to Siakam for, for a lot longer and, and you know possibly have a longer rebuild. So I think this is a good uh, trade for both teams. Um, I think overall, obviously, if, if this pays off a lot for Indiana, it was, it was perfect, right? But if they fall off the face of the earth with this trade for some reason – yeah, a uh, big, big win for Toronto and a huge fat L for Indiana. Um, and, you know, today, uh, leaving work, you know, everyone was talking about it on the sports radio here because it's big news here in, in Indianapolis. So um, it's exciting uh, down here for sure. There's the, You could kind of tell, like, a lot of people are very excited about uh, this trade. So, um Good, good trade overall. Uh, both teams benefiting well here. And then uh, I know the the Pistons also made a trade. Not that it matters, but um, yeah, you want to talk about real quickly that because I don't know all the details on that one. Yeah, so um, they did this trade like probably three or four days ago. They got rid of. Uh, Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Livers, and they got Danilo Gallinari and Mike Muscala. To be honest, it's not really going to do much. <laughs> I mean, Gallinari's a veteran. He's like a probably a 10-year veteran, same with Muscala. They're both veterans. They're not young players. So I guess they're going to be just around to be veterans and maybe help some of these younger guys out because I don't really see any other purpose. Um, and then the trade was with Washington, who really isn't – are seven and thirty-two, we're four and forty, like four and forty-one, something like that. So, yeah, this this was just a um, a whatever trade. To be honest, I guess Marvin Bagley can see if he can figure it out. He was the number two overall pick in twenty eighteen. He was picked right before Luca, which is I know the Kings are regretting that man because they could have had Luca and. No, they took Marvin Bagley, who is basically a bust, who's just been moving from team to team. And Livers was like a bench role player who Roy didn't do much. So, again, I don't think he really does much for both teams. Just the Pistons are going to get some veteran guys who have been around for a minute. So, 
they can mentor some of these younger guys that keep fucking up. Yeah, that pretty much seemed to me like uh, anything's better than what we got, right? Kind of trade. Because, like, I mean, yeah, you traded with someone who's the, literally the next step up above you in the Eastern Conference standings. So it's like, what what are you doing? <laughs> Why are we allowing Troy Weaver to make trades? That's what I want to know. Just like that man I should be that him to do anything right, that man should be on the streets homeless because no one will fucking hire him ever fucking again. But you know, I I just I, why is this man still employed? Makes no sense, yeah. man. Man, yeah. So both these guys are ten-year NBA veterans, thirty-five and thirty-two years old. It's like they're not going to contribute to any winning basketball. They're basically just going to sit around and just collect a paycheck at this point. Yeah, that seems just uh, right on, right on par for what the Pistons are doing. Just paying people just to not play basketball, just you know, collect paychecks. Ridiculous, but uh, yeah. Um, Obviously, we'll keep an eye out on NBA, uh, more trades coming up. I know the NHL deadline's in about a month from now, so there's going to be trade deadline day, and that the episode following that is going to be um, insane, to say the least, because um, there's just going to be a lot of trades. Um, some teams I know are going to bail out um, kind of early, like uh, like your San Jose's and your – Chicago's and then I feel like there's going to be some teams that are in that wild card hunt that are just going to say fuck it let's not do this and sell off as well so we'll we'll see of course um NBA I know we'll do the same thing when it comes to their trade de- trade deadline as well we'll talk about all the action that happened especially on deadline day uh Tuesday reviews of course of the divisional round uh and then We'll just kind of come up with some topics on NBA and or NHL uh, for that episode to fill in that. Um, so, yeah, uh, rate, review, subscribe, help us out. Uh, let us know what more you want to see. Ian, again, thank you for joining us. Um, it's been a while since you've been on, so uh, figured divisional round preview is a good time to get you back in it a little bit. Um But uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you guys on Tuesday.